You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Yeah, the Pharisees, right? And yep. and how he called out their hypocrisy. And um, that verse in Mark that says that God didn't come for those that don't need a doctor. He came to, to heal. He came uh, for those that are sick, not for those that are well. And he's calling out the Pharisees right yeah. then and saying, hey, if you think you have it all together, you don't need me. Yeah. Um, and it is really important to say... I need help. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Taylor. I am here joined with a special guest this week, Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, thanks for being here. (laughs) Hey, Taylor. It's just us two today. It's kind of lonely, but nice. We're in good company. That's right. I have plenty of questions for you. Don't worry. All right. Uh, Let's start with the first one here, which is, as you prepared for this message, kind of summing up the series for His Story, God's Faithfulness, kind of what were some of the big things that you thought about as you headed into this week's episode on exile? So we're done with the His Story series. This is the last episode, episode eight. And, you know, I didn't know until just a few years ago that the Bible, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible really ends kind of on a somber note. It doesn't end um, with with high spirits and it ends with this big theme of the exile. And we don't necessarily look to the exile period, but it's a very important period, not only in the Old Testament, but in the story of the Israelites as well. So um, there is the exile that happens from the Israelite um land from the promised land when they are overtaken by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, but then there's actually the return back to the promised land. So I was kind of holding both things uh, in the air, kind of juggling just to see where to zoom in because that's so, there's so much. I mean, all the prophets are really in that period. Most of the prophets are in that period um, talking about different things. and, and, And this Psalm, Psalm 121 came to mind and it's actually not only talking about the exile period, but it was used during that period. So I decided to look at these three attributes of God and um, look to see what, not only what they, how, how they helped the Israelites back then, but how they can really help us today. Perfect segue into my question about those three. So kind of the, the key points you said, God is our helper, God is our maker, and God is our keeper. So mm-hmm. I got questions for each one, but let's start with the helper uh, component here. And uh, there's kind of different things you kind of unpacked when it came to that, but what was kind of, I think early on you mentioned just the idea of even acknowledging that you need help is kind yeah. of a, a key first step. So what typically are the things that you've seen just kind of prevent us from that? And how can we just practically kind of just live a lifestyle of always uh, seeking God's help in our lives? Yeah. I don't know about you, Taylor, but when I used to think about Christianity early on in, in my life and um, church, I thought those are the people that have all of their life put together. They are in right standing before God. They are the anointed ones, the holy ones. And I grew up with this picture of church of a bunch of people that had it all together. The more I grew up, the more I realized the people that go to church mask it really well, but they actually don't have it all together, but they pretend like they do. And now that I've matured in my faith, I realized we need to be the people to be the first to actually ask for help, not pretend like we have it all together or be deceived 
as if we do have it all together. But if we truly call Jesus our Savior, then we need to be okay asking for saving, saving from from circumstances, definitely from sin, and, and that's the gospel message. But I think also practically being people to raise our hands and say, I need help right now. I'm not okay. And so I'm looking to God. I'm looking to others to, to surround me and, and love me. So I really think that this one point that God is our helper is paramount to us as we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I think that community piece is definitely what's uh, rung true in my life as far as just God shaping what that looks like. And not only having people in my life, whether it's in community group or discipleship relationships or friends in general that have asked for help or just, you know, and and not looking to me to solve the Mm -hmm. problem, but just being open about uh, how they're seeking the Lord's help, but also just as a community, um, just geared in a way that is trying to help each other and, and just kind of pointing each other towards God, I think is neat because yeah. it's it's you're not just trying to use accountability or kind of church as a setting to kind of judge other people or keep score, but it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're all in this together. Let's yeah. all become more like Christ. And so I think that those two things for me definitely kind of played into that. So let me put you on the spot and ask you this oh, follow-up boy. question. Oh, what, why do you think we tend to act like we have it all together? Why do you think there's that stereotype of, man, you're a Christian. You either need to have it all together or you pretend like you do have it all together. Why do you think that happens? I mean, I think the immediate answer is just the ego. You've touched on it yesterday, but just the pride component, I think, uh, just in all areas of my life where I'd rather much, much rather talk about someone else or someone else's issues than my own. And so I think yeah. that that's where a lot of that comes from insecurities and, and just pride as far as just, uh, yeah, wanting to make it seem like that. And frankly, that's what you look at in the world. I mean, if you're trying to make it in the world, as far as this side of heaven, it's like, that's you, you're always trying to come up with this construct mm-hmm. of a brand or a person that's invincible that, you know, you don't want to expose flaws because people will take advantage of that. There's just all kinds of different things in that. That, yeah. um, And I mean, that's not necessarily new to our culture. I mean, that's what even, right. even in Jesus's day, that was something that he kind of radically shifted that and was, yeah. you know, just able to speak to that in people's lives. So. Yeah, the Pharisees, right? And yep. and how he called out their hypocrisy. And um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about that verse in Mark that says that God didn't come um, for those that, that, that don't need a doctor. He came to, to heal. He came uh, for those that are sick, not for those that are well. And he's calling out the Pharisees right yeah. then and saying, hey, if you think you have it all together, you don't need me. Yeah. Um, and it is really important to say, I need help. Yeah, yeah. So the second point you mentioned was that God is our maker as far as he's out of the Psalms 121. Uh, and so not only is he our helper, but he is our maker. So what what is the, uh, I liked a few illustrations you used as you unpacked this, but what's kind of one of the most significant parts about this and just how that affects our, our daily life? What does it look like to live knowing that God is our maker? When I look at God as my maker, I'm reminded that he made me the way he did for a reason and for a purpose. Yeah. Um, he, you know, I, I heard something this morning, uh, people that struggle with control, um, 
part of that is God made you that way. He kind of made you a control freak. The problem lies when we don't have self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. Mm. And so I think of, and I didn't go into this yesterday, but just thinking about the fact that God is our maker. We were created in his image. So your personality is different than mine. And we both reflect different parts of who God is um, in our personalities. And there's the good, and then there's the not so good. And the whole point is to redeem that not so good give it to God and say, Lord, I, I'm repenting. I, I need your help here. I need you to refine me and, and sanctify me because I want to become more like Jesus. I want to become more like you here on earth. Um, and so I, it's just a good reminder, not only for um, you know remembering who we are in, in, in God's eyes, but also being the best, oh man, Taylor said this last week, uh, don't be the best version of yourself. It was, it was Bob Goff yeah, quote, yeah. Uh, but be the best um, or be more like Jesus. Right, and, right. And, and I think that's really what this world needs. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what that reminds um, me of. I did talk about you know, customer service and, and <laughs> right, right. How, what would it be like to actually call the maker of whatever we buy for help. Yeah. And I think we sometimes turn to others rather than the maker himself yeah. when we need help. Yeah. And uh, he's able to help us way more than, than others, others are. Yeah, I was going to touch on that point and just ask you kind of, as a world is constantly trying to find us, how do we redefine our worth and our value and our identity amidst just a very uh, comparison-centered uh, mm-hmm. culture? And you kind of touched on that as well, but just... There's just so much out there that I think, you know, we can quickly begin to kind of put that weight in what other people think or how I measure up to other people. So what are just ways that, you know, that you've, even you've just been able to kind of walk through that as far as being reminded of that? Yeah, it's really good. You're, you're, you're getting really practical here and I, I appreciate that. Welcome to the conversation. Podcast. <laughs> it, is, it is different for every person. Uh, I think the challenge yesterday was to look up and not look around. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, where, where, is our, where are our eyes fixed? And I think personally, that does come from discipline. That comes from from maintaining a discipline. So recently uh, we moved and I made the decision to no longer keep my cell phone in my room. And so before I go to bed and when I wake up, I have disciplines that I'm doing after, you know, right before I go to bed and then right after I wake up so that I do not turn to my phone. Because when I look at that thing, immediately I'm, I'm surrounded by what the world mm-hmm. is focused on. And that is comparison. That is competition. That is this uh, endless pursuit of upward mobility in the next thing, in the next. And that's not, that's not being kingdom-minded. Um, that is not being or, or, or glorifying God with our life. But when we look to God first, and I really am a big um, supporter or encourager that what you do first in your day really does matter. Mm. Not that you have to spend time with God every morning, first thing you do. Um, but but what, what you do first, really, it's kind of like when you start up your computer, you know, you start that blank screen. What you do first is is gonna set you up for for, for the day. So um, I would I would say discipline. What, what about you? What are yeah. some things that help you look up instead of around? Yeah, I think 
kind of one that I was just actually talking to uh, the one and only Bob Moss about this this mm-hmm. past week is he's kind of uh, simplified and identified just there's really kind of two kingdoms, kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. And so I've told him that, uh, you know, when you're in church, you're hearing all these facts, you know, we're just talking about like, you know, God is our maker, our keeper, our helper. And, uh, and yet... I feel like when you go out into the quote unquote real world, it's like just you're constantly inundated with so many messages. And I think it wasn't until I began to kind of practically think through uh, contrasting the two kingdoms. And so I think that's where it's helpful for me as far as thinking about like when it comes to identity and all the different things that, you know, God says I am comparing those up with the things that the world would say, or particularly mm-hmm. like the world would, would say you, you, you're only this unless you, you know, right. work at it or you only are born into this family right. or you're done this thing. And so, I think that God, even just going practically, um, I try to be a very practical person. So it's like just going line by line and thinking through that helps me so that I can better catch and take thoughts captive when I think about, oh, which kingdom is this coming from? This idea, this thought that I have, this, you know, insecurity or comparison or um, shame or, you know, all kinds of stuff that, mm-hmm. that kind of creeps in. It's like, okay, where is this coming from? And usually at that point, being able to identify, oh, this is not of God. This mm-hmm. is this is not of him. And so being able to kind of then take that and redirect it. Whereas if I'm only just focused on what God's, you know, who God says I am, then it's easy for me to kind of, Satan loves to kind of twist things. And so yeah. the next thing I know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm worth, you know, God loves me, but only on this day or only when I've done this right. or only when, and so quickly it can become where it starts good, but then goes. And so I think just being able to line by line compare those mm-hmm. is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. It's really good. The third point you mentioned was about, he is our keeper. And I love the analogy, the sucker goalie analogy there. That's good. Shout out, sucker. Um, So, so what is what does this mean? As far as maybe someone that's um, new to their walk, maybe new to to the faith. As far as what does this mean? As far as God as a keeper, I think of you know there is that that shepherding kind of caring, but then keeper can also mean like boss or prison guard or something. So how, how, what does that mean as far as practically, especially for someone that maybe has a newer uh, kind of view of who God is? It's a good question. So verse three through verse eight of Psalm 121 uses this word six times. So um, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by light. The, the, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Big verses that when I read them, you know, I love the Psalms. They're full of emotion. They're also full yeah. of truth mm-hmm. and they're full of this just strong language. And it sounds like, man, he's going to protect me. He's going to watch over me. So uh, I read from the ESV version, the NIV version uses uh, watches over. Mm -hmm. So it is protector. But I also think as a parent, we, both Taylor and I, um, are very intentional as to who we choose to keep our kids when mm-hmm. we go out on a date or, you know, definitely when, when, when they spend the night. And it's, it matters. It's really important. They're precious to us. And so uh, we want someone to keep them that we will really, um, we will really trust. And, and that word keep is not permanent. It's, it's temporary. Uh, but we use that language all the time. You know, who's going to keep our kids? Uh, who's going to watch our kids. And so I think that from a, you know, moving from, okay, that's, that's you as a parent talking about your kids, but we want to be people that say the Lord is my keeper. 
Uh, he's literally taking care of me. He's watching over me. Uh, we have to be the ones that are aware of that and acknowledge that he is our keeper because he could be watching over us. And you know, the, the, the million dollar question, well, if he watches over you and he keeps you, then why do bad things happen? Yeah. And that's where we have to go. Well, he's also my maker and he's also my helper. So I don't know why but I trust that he's good Mm -hmm. and that he's still protecting me. He's still in control. He's still in charge. Really, really difficult when we're going through hard uh, circumstances, but but knowing that God is our keeper, uh, ultimately, re- the reason why I use that goalie analogy is because the goalie saves, you know, the ball from going yeah, into yeah. To, to the goal. And, and that's really what Jesus has done for us. He has saved us from living in eternity um, without him. Mm-hmm. And now we are saved and there's more than this life. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can look forward to even as we struggle um, here on this earth. And boy, are we struggling these days. I mean, a lot of things continue to change and a lot of things continue to be unknown, but we can be certain that the Lord is our keeper. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be okay. He's got us in the long run. Yeah, yeah. And that just makes me think of Second Timothy 2.13 that you mentioned in your message, just even that, that, you know, he's always with us. And so it's like, even if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. Yeah. And so I yeah. think that's a, a huge thing to even be reminded of. Yep. Yep. Next question here has to do with, as we kind of sum up this part of the history series on exile, what are some maybe just practical kind of ways that you think we can apply this just even this week or just as, as we go about our, our day-to-day? The more important question than, yes, we can apply this, but the question I would ask myself and ask anybody is, what are our eyes fixed on? What are we fixing our eyes on? What what are we focused in on? And that'll help us really see how to change that. So it can be different things. It can be really we're fixed our eyes on our workplace uh, circumstance. We're mm-hmm. fixed. We're fixing our eyes on the news cycle mm-hmm. and you know presidential election and all of that. None of that stuff is bad. We need to care and be a part of that. But when that, when when that, when we are so you know tunnel vision yeah. with those things, yeah. then our eyes really aren't on God. Mm-hmm. And He's our helper. He's our maker. He's our keeper. And so I would say identify what um, what you're focused on. Mm-hmm. And then B, uh, adjust. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it may not be swinging the, 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 the pendulum to the complete other side and, and not being, for example, focused in on what's going around in our world. It's important to know. Um, but how does the Lord fit mm-hmm. in that? And, and how does the fact that he's our keeper and that he's our maker and helper mm-hmm. help us navigate uh, everything that's going on. I think about school and all the unknowns that 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 as we enter into the school uh, year. I mean, these are three very practical things that will help us navigate those as we look to God, as we fix our eyes on Jesus. What Hebrews twelve um, says, one through two. That was our kids' camp verse, and uh, it says that Jesus is the. Um, let's see here. I'm going to pull it up because there's the wording is important. He is pioneer and perfecter. Another version says that he's the author and the finisher. Mm-hmm. So he's the beginning, he's the alpha, and he's the end. He's the omega. Mm-hmm. He's got this. Yeah. And so if we fix our eyes on him, 
um, I think I think will be good. Would you add anything to that in terms of real practical advice? Yeah, no, I think that's good. As far as I was just as you were saying that, trying to take inventory of kind of what what apps or what uh, channels or what I mean, yeah, just we're constantly consuming, and there's so much like as far as just content out there now than yeah. ever before in history, and just being accessible to us, and so including this podcast. Oh, that's right. That's but right. We're not really looking at this podcast, are you? We're <laughs> listening to the podcast. So does that it's, count? It's a, it's a there's an asterisk, there's a, little, <laughs> a little pass there. Does the radio also then yeah, get a pass? No. But but no but yeah just thinking through that kind of stuff yeah. I think uh, and not only that but I think just even a point you talked about as far as just with God being our maker I think just really kind of thinking about our purpose and really simplifying a lot through that because I think for me personally like I try to do a lot of things and so it's like I, I may know in the direction that God has me and the purpose He has me doing it but then I also want to kind of spend yeah. some time doing this or also want to spend some time. And so I can just kind of quickly uh, complicate everything just in the sense of just trying to, to please both God and myself. And that's right. just, that's just going to be exhausting and, and not work. So no, those are, those are good. Um, I liked one point you mentioned as well, tying in kind of as we zoom out to the entire series, what a series it was. Uh, you talk about the Israelites and just this kind of cycle as far as the oppression, repentance, deliverance, and disobedience, and then back to, you know, it's just this, this constant cycle and how often we can kind of be in that. So what are some of the kind of maybe big takeaways in general that you've got from the entire series as far as just with God's faithfulness and his faithfulness, despite our continued uh, disobedience and and unfaithfulness. Yeah. Um, We will get into this as soon as we start the new series, because there's this whole other thing uh, that comes with that pattern. And and really Jesus disrupts that pattern and gives us a way out. Mm -hmm. And that's literally having a new heart. You know, and, and, and the Old Testament alludes to it, but Jesus really is the fulfillment of that. That's why uh, he tells us, you need to be born again. You need a new heart. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, the concept and theme of uh, circumcision is very present in the Old Testament and in the New, but that's speaking to the circumcision of the heart, tearing off the sin and, and doing away with that and, and allowing God to fill that space that's left there. And that's our sanctification. That's how we become more like Jesus. So I mean, that's where I'm at now is looking at the whole summary of these eight episodes, thinking God is on a mission to make all things new. And so I know I'm fast forwarding into where we're going to go. Um, oh, that's good. But that's, that's I think, uh, you know, I didn't allude to that yesterday because I wanted to stay on, on, um, on, on point and not preach for like 45 or hour and 45. But that's really uh, where I'm at now is I'm excited because God's faithful, period. But God's also on a mission. So it's not just, well... I'm going to continue in my unfaithfulness because God is faithful. Um, but it's a, there is a, a renewing that is happening and, and there is still a longing for the completion of that renewal. And that comes at Calvary when Jesus sacrificed himself and, and when he defeats death by uh, being raised again and, and then by ascending into heaven and bringing down his Holy Spirit that now indwells inside of us. So um, that's the end of the story, which we'll start, which we'll start with here in a few weeks, a yeah. couple weeks. 
Yeah. Well, and I love too, just the, even the nature that it was in the Old Testament, just going through this series, because I feel like outside of Sunday school growing up as a kid, like you, you don't hear a lot about these stories as far as a lot of kind of focus and teaching is on the New Testament, but just even in the New Testament, how much the Old Testament is woven in and oh, how yeah. God didn't start, you know, just when Jesus was born, but he had been working for years and years and, and just the, the parallels between the two, as far as his faithfulness and mm-hmm. stuff. I thought that was just neat too, to mm-hmm. go together. Okay, so last question, wrapping up this entire series. Jose, did you have kind of a favorite? I want you to pick your favorite because they're all good. But was there maybe just one episode of this entire eight-week series that maybe stood out to you as we went through this as a summer and maybe just some practical takeaways you you Hmm. took from it? That's a good question. Let me think back to the last eight weeks of my life. Um, Okay, I'm thinking, but you be thinking too because I'm going to... I kind of knew the question ahead of time, so I can go ahead. (laughs) I kind of mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, we were talking about it with Mary, uh-huh. I think, but, but I, I still go back to just the, the second one mm-hmm. about the fall and yep. just Bob talking about kind of similar how I was sharing with you about the two kingdoms, but yeah. just how crafty Satan is and yeah. how, you know, that just that simple truth that nothing that Satan said in the garden was, right. you know, a, a lie, a, a lie all the way through. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was like everything he said technically, but it was like completely in the wrong. Yeah, he twisted God's word. Yeah. 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 And so I think just a wake up call for me that you know I need to be growing deeper in the in my in the word, in the word and in my walk so that I can discern those kind of things mm-hmm. because again not just I think the worldly messages can kind of be they're so obvious sometimes where it's like oh yeah no that's there they don't yeah. they don't want anything to do with God so I can kind of like take that but just the the middle ground there of just this kind of like okay how do I discern how do I how do I practically live this out so I thought that was just a good one that I'm going to try to keep kind of uh, applying that. Yeah, that's good. I would go just one episode after that uh, when Sean spoke about the blessing and God's promise and how generational it is. I think that concept of generations has really struck me um, throughout all of this. Our, we have a very um, multi-generational, is that the word? Multi-generational? Yeah, yeah church. We have a multi-generational staff and that's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Use that word truthfully. It is a blessing that we can um, not only look uh, to God and, and call, up, call upon what he's doing, but man, we just are able to edify and learn from one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned Bob. I've learned so much from Bob. And so the generations are important. And I think at the generations that are to come. And I think about this generation, you know, my kids are experiencing COVID at a very young age. How is that going to impact them? Uh, I think about our junior high students and our high school students that, you know, are going to operate in a, in a different, you know, type of reality. What I hope that they all experience more than anything else is God's faithfulness through the season. And when they grow older, their parents can turn back and say, look what God did mm-hmm. during this very dark time, yeah. very difficult time. God was faithful. And I hope that we can all point out different, you know, those memorial stones that we kind of started talking about and say, yeah, this was difficult. You know, in context, the Israelites are coming out of the desert Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was difficult, but they're now crossed over and they're experiencing a new reality temporarily. It's not good from then on. It, 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 you you go back through the cycle again, but I hope that we can turn back and say, yeah, that season was difficult, but here are the ways that God was faithful through all of it. 
All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.